whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you're producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. I am unwilling to give up that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm super, super excited to have our next guest here. We have Lori Taylor, who is the founder and CEO of The Produce Moms, and I had actually met Lori back in 2018 when I was on her podcast. And I'm so excited to get to interview her and actually talk a little bit more about not only what she's up to, but also just to explain this amazing organization that she's been building that is really focused on a mission to put more fruits and vegetables on every consumer's table. Uh, But she's also turned that mission into a company that is focused on doing lots and lots of good for the industry. So 
the company's mission, as I mentioned, is to not only educate consumers on the benefits of eating fresh pr- produce, but also the growing process and what we all should be looking out for overall and advocacy programs too. She's doing a lot of really, really cool work. So I'm very excited to have her here and hear more about the journey. So welcome, Lori. Thank you, Kara. It's so great to be reconnected and such a joy to be on your show. I certainly have enjoyed following all that you've done since that first encounter in 2018. You know, you published the book, um, so many advancements with the Hintwater brand. I'm now buying it on shelf at, you know, big box retailers that when we first connected, it wasn't available on shelf totally. there. So I am just constantly inspired and, uh, you know, and encouraged by what I see in your entrepreneurial journey. So thanks for having me on. It's great to be here on your amazing podcast. That's well, thank you. That's very, very nice. So, well, okay. Before we get into hearing about the produce moms and, and really what that is, I'd love to hear about your journey and building it. I, I know that you had, uh, or I read that you had been in supply chain before, but I'd love to hear a little Mm -hmm. bit more about kind of what your experience was. Yeah. So I really grew up in produce. It's all I know from a, from a like big girl stage of life, so to say. Um, shortly after college, I got my, um, my first office job was at Indianapolis Fruit Company. They're a very large uh, wholesale distributor based here in my hometown of Indianapolis, Indiana. They are a full service produce supplier at the time when I was employed there to like 18 states, as far north as Wisconsin, as far south as Florida. Um, I worked in sales and I sold fresh produce to grocery stores. So I really was able to learn a lot from my customers on seasonality, the way food moves from the farms to the retailer. Um, because we had a fresh cut processing facility at my former employer, um, as well as a, you know, a huge warehouse that was constantly receiving produce day in and day out. We, I was exposed to some of the regulatory side of our industry. Hmm. USDA inspectors were at the warehouse on a recurring, you know, every week we had USDA inspectors popping in, some announced, some unannounced. So it really was an opportunity for me to to learn the business, that wholesale distribution stage, it can be kind of a dog eat dog world. You know, it's not, uh, it's a, it's a hustle and bustle where, you know, it's, you're turning your back on people who supplied you last week to save 15 cents a case this week. Mm. You know, that's just the nature of, of moving perishable food. Um, but I, I could not believe how we had this massive warehouse and all the different countries that were represented in our inventory at any given time, all the different commodities. Um, and, and certainly the fact that there was enough demand to turn that massive warehouse on a, you know, every couple nights, like we would sell out the whole warehouse. So it really, it just, it gets in your soul. Like everyone who works in produce says that because you're on, you're on call, you know, when you're selling a perishable product, you're on call as if you're a life-saving heart surgeon. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like you're, if a, if a case of, or if a truckload of tomatoes that you had sold to a grocery retailer for a big, you know, blowout weekend sale gets held up, um, you're, they're calling, you got to hustle and figure things out and, you know, get secondary suppliers come in and fill in. So I, 
that moved my soul in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the constant evolving state, the fact that every day was different. Um, that was something that really inspired me. And for gosh, seven years, I was a sales representative at that company calling on grocery retailers of all different sizes and formats. I actually got my job because I studied Spanish in college and um, did some immersion programs. I was completely fluent in Spanish. English is my first language. Spanish is my second language, which at the time when I was looking for a job in Indiana, that was a pretty, you know, that was not a very common characteristic. Now, of course, much more diverse city and state, like, you know, it's, that's not quite as notable, but at the time when I was in 2004, um, that was a bigger deal. And that's how I got my job. They needed someone to, there was a huge influx in bodega style markets coming Hmm. into the Midwest. And how often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works, and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn, quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long, term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is The Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. 
Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. And all of those customers were driving to Chicago on a daily basis to pick up fresh produce at the international terminal market. <laughs> and it was a missed opportunity for our company. You know, they, they wanted to deliver that produce right through our own trucks. And, and so that was my job. And that was the first time I ever built anything was building that clientele for my former employer. Um, and we, we were very successful. Um, they used my language skills to connect with growers of, of really niche commodities like, um, you know, mangoes, but even, even things like the cilantro specs, like we had to really button up who we were buying our produce from to be able to sell pallets upon pallets of it to these bodega style markets that were peppering our city. Um, and, and with that diligence, we were then able to get the business from Kroger to supply mm. Kroger, all of their quote unquote Hispanic, you know, fruits and vegetables. So any commodity that was really um, a standout, whether it's Roma tomatoes or white onions, jalapenos, cilantro, all of that business, we had we had mastered the specs for the Latino shoppers. And therefore Kroger was like, you've got better, like when we slot your product, we're selling more. And so they mm. were, then we became their primary sales house for all of those commodities, which that was real big business for my former employer. Yeah. So I'm just curious, when you first started out in this industry, were, were, was there that much fruit and vegetable that was being exported? Or I should say, yeah, no, I, it's a great question. In, and yeah. yeah, so fruits and vegetables are, you know, 
obviously we're very proud to support American farmers at the produce moms as a, as a shopper, I'm all about the, you know, eat local movement, support our domestic farmers. It's very, very important. Mm -hmm. But for us to live in a place where we can walk into the grocery store and have something as commonplace as red grapes or strawberries available 365 days a year, we have to rely on the Southern hemisphere or the country of Mexico to import that product. It's, it, it really is just a matter of the, the truth is in farming, our harvest cycle follows the sun. Mm -hmm. So all of our wintertime fruits and vegetables are coming from more Southern areas than what they are during the summer months. So sometimes that could be, you know, we have to actually flip and go into the Southern hemisphere and source from South America or other parts of the Southern hemisphere. Um, or it could be like the winter vegetables. We get those from Yuma, Arizona, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to Salinas, California, which is where, you know, the majority of our nation's vegetables come from, um, you know, in, in late spring and summer months. It's funny. I, I grew up in Arizona and I remember yeah. very specifically that there were certain times of year where, you know, we couldn't get fruits, even mm -hmm. being in Arizona. And I feel like there was kind of a a switch that flipped that we really started getting more product from Mexico or, yeah. you know, some Latin America. Like, I don't, I don't know if it was NAFTA or what actually was it that, yeah, um, absolutely. Happened, it could but. have been driven by NAFTA. Um, and, and there's other, you know, USMCA, there's been a lot of trade regulations to strengthen mm -hmm. and maintain our, our friendly trade with, you know, all of North America and, and primary trade partners such as Mexico as it relates to agricultural goods. So um, that's the regulatory side and the political side of our industry where people don't like to think of food, you know, something as universal and uh, unifying as food. They don't like to think of it as something that's very political. But I can tell you uh, one thing my journey has taught me is that the food industry and agriculture is a very political industry. The good news is that by and large, it's, um, you know, it's not even bipartisan. It's, it's nonpartisan because mm -hmm. our, all of our stakeholders, whether they are private or public sector, they realize that, um, you know, food security is the ultimate national security for us here in the United States. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in, well, worldwide. I mean, it's, it's yeah. something that is, uh, it doesn't matter what, government uh, you believe in. I mean, it, it really is something that is just so, so key. So, okay. So it's one thing for you to kind of know this industry and love this mm -hmm. industry. It's another thing to decide, okay, I'm going to quit my job uh, that I know how to do really well. And I'm going to, I guess, so you started the produce moms, but it actually, yes. you bought an IP, right? So the producemoms.com actually started as my work for hire. So I mentioned I, for seven years, I did sales. Yeah. But I worked at Indie Fruit for 10 total years. The last three years of my time at Indie Fruit, I was the marketing manager. Okay. And you know, you know, value chains, you know, Kara, your listeners know value chains. Wholesale distribution is a tough stage of the supply chain to really think, oh, there's a lot of marketing that takes place here, especially consumer facing marketing. Mm -hmm. But we, one thing that working at the sales desk taught me is, you know, there's no, there's minimal recognition of brands in the produce department and beyond minimal recognition of brands, there's minimal understanding of all these commodities. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not here to 
you know, preach some sort of pipe dream that, that we're going to have shoppers who, if they, if they can't get dandy brand celery and celery's on their, on their shopping list, that they're not going to buy celery. You know, we're not, we're not, uh, tennis shoes here. You know, people Mm -hmm. can say I'm only buying Nike tennis shoes and they can stay pretty loyal to that. Food is a, especially fresh produce. I mean, we are kind of a commoditized industry. And I think that, um, I don't necessarily think that that's going to change anytime soon. Um, so marketing commodities is something that I realized, you know, it's a threat to our, to our path to purchase if people don't have a heightened understanding of how to select, store, and serve their fruits and vegetables. And in that quest to really lean into the education and help people demystify the produce department, we can also help tell these amazing stories behind some of these amazing brands that people are encountering on a weekly basis when they grocery shop. And they might not even realize it. You know, there is a really low brand recognition. So the so the IP though, I'd love to yeah. go back to this because I know there's a really interesting oh, story. So yeah. <laughs> you bought this IP. You yeah. didn't just come up with the name. No. I mean, you you decided I'm going to go buy this. Um, I read somewhere that it was you know more expensive than your house ultimately, yeah. and uh, and so I mean that's a big decision. It's a big risk, right? All of those things. Like, I mean, for anybody who's sitting here thinking, you know, how am I going to do this? You found a way to do it. So I'd love to hear that story. Yeah, it was wild. So I, for three years as the marketing manager, I, you know, one of the first things that I was asked in 2012 is like, what are your plans for our marketing department? Well, in 2012, blogs were it, you know, and, and companies who there, it was, it was even possible in 2012 to be a business and not have social media pages. Like there were tons Mm -hmm. of businesses without social media accounts. Um, but in 2012, most people had started to adopt at least Facebook. Um, and then like the new medium for connecting with folks was through blogs. And so that was my proposal as marketing manager. I was like, we should have a blog and I can author it. Like blogs are very different than Wikipedia or email marketing. Like they're meant to have a more friendly and fun tone. They're really rooted in like helping people understand FAQs, but it's in a more, you know, delivering it in a friendlier way. And so I pitched that idea. Um, and had the full support of my, of my former bosses. You know, it, it was, it's pretty easy sell through, especially when I told them I had already bought a domain because I'd been thinking about this. The donate, the donate, donate, domain was actually <laughs> theproducemom.com. It wasn't until after I purchased it where we made it the plural noun and more community centric, but, um, I'd already purchased the bo- domain. And then when I told him, like, the domain was $5.99. I'm willing to transfer that over to the company, like, you know, and, and we can author this as my work for hire. Um, You know, as part of my job, I can author it and we can just use a free WordPress theme. So when they found out that there was minimal hard costs to getting this thing launched, that was when they were like, okay, let's do it. And then when I was able to prove to them that we can get, um, buy-in. And for the first time ever, they were seeing actual revenue come in on the marketing side outside of, you know, 
people sponsoring boost at a big vendor showcase, but rather like, oh, people will pay, even if it was just $500, people will pay $500 to have their product talked about on a blog. Mm-hmm. Um, or they'll offer us $4 off our cases of strawberries for the next three weeks in exchange for strawberry brand promotions on the website. Those were all things that were happening. And then when we started to sell like big annual campaigns that were, you know, five figures, that was when, you know, that was when we got a unique level of buy-in and support from my former employers. But, you know, to your point, ultimately after three years, they took me to an offsite meeting for lunch and told me to bring my computer. And um, I knew something was up. I didn't really think I was getting fired, but I definitely knew something was up because like, why would they take me offsite? And um, it just felt weird. And they had, they slid a paper, you know, after some niceties and small talk, the CFO then slid a paper that was prepared by the legal counsel for the company and said, you know, we think you're doing amazing things with the produce mom at this point, Kara, we had just launched a school show with the NFL and we were doing the find your favorite school show with the Indianapolis Colts. And like, I mean, it was, we were really had a lot of momentum and, but the CFO said like, we think you're doing great things, but Indianapolis fruit company's done. You know, we're done with the produce mom. We are, we are in the business to distribute food and Mm. They offered me two very clear paths in this paperwork. Path A was we sunset the brand and all of the marketing campaigns, all of the media work that we were doing, it goes away and I go back to my sales job or path B, I could buy it. I could buy everything, the website, the IP, and I could take it to wherever I think, you know, this brand could go. Hmm. Um, I would be the, I would be the owner of it. So I immediately knew, like, I felt like there was no decision to be made. I, my exact words to them were, I would be a caged animal going back to the cubicle. And I said, I'm buying it. I just don't know how, because I'm looking at this acquisition price that they were offering. And yes, the price of the producemom.com in 2015 was more than the home that my family and I lived in. Wow. And I mean, my husband and I, we had a mortgage, young children, like we weren't going to get approved for this type of cash to buy the, the, the brand. So I did at that point, then I did what a lot of entrepreneurs do. You know, I cashed out my 401k. Um, I talked to family and people who I thought could help me from with private funding. And then we negotiated with my former employers And we said, what if we pay you cash in 90 days? What's the price then? And it was still more than the home we paid in, the the home we lived in, but it was a lot less risky, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was a much more manageable fundraise for me. So that was the first time I negotiated a major like six-figure deal. It was the first time that I fundraised money. Um, and what a beautiful day it was when I walked into that office on, it was August or August 31st, 2015. I had a cashier's check for the full amount and the brand became mine and we've been growing Amazing. it ever since. So was the pro like, what was the promise on that day of, of the produce moms? Like what, what did you think that that would be? What would the brand be? Um, that was maybe different than what you were doing when it was internal. I felt like it was slightly hindered by like, okay, we had this consumer facing brand that was all about exciting, you know, 
essentially moms and other shoppers about fruits and vegetables. Um, but I was constantly getting pressure from my advisors and bosses at the company to make it about indie fruit. And, you know, people just don't care that much about who the food's being distributed by. Um, they just care about what they see at point of sale and what they, what they see on the plate, whether that's Mm -hmm. in the restaurant or in their home kitchen, what they're creating. So, um, so I felt like we were able to be a lot more authentic without the mm-hmm. parent company. One go thing that I outside to other totally, yeah. I mean, one thing I negotiated them. into the acquisition, I said um, to my former boss, I said, "Okay, well, we're going to call Sage Fruit Company, which was one of our largest clients at the Produce mm-hmm. Moms," and I said, "I, I want to hear you tell the president of the company that we are." that we're dissolved, like TPM is going independent. And I want to hear his reaction without him knowing that I'm listening. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I can't tell you how empowering that was for me to hear Chuck Sinks say to my former boss and Chuck Sinks, president of sales and marketing at Sage Fruit. He said, you know, Dan Corsaro said, Hey, we're going to sell the produce moms to Lori. And I just wanted to let you know, it's not going to, it's not going to be part of Indie Fruit anymore. She's going to own it independently. And Chuck's response was, I think that's great. Sage Fruit's still involved. We'll, we'll still work with her. I think it's actually going to be a lot better for the, for us, for the produce moms, for everyone. So when I heard those empowering words, that gave me a level of confidence um, that on paper, like it was a level of crazy for me to do mm-hmm. what I did. I mean, I had a $4,999 scope of work from USA pairs to that spanned 12 months of work. <laughs> okay. No one can pay bills in 12 months with less than yeah. five grand. Um, you can't even do that in one month in business, but I, I, I had that from, from USA pairs in hand. I had six figures of acquisition debt. And then I had that affirmation from Chuck Sinks. And that has, I I fearlessly, you know, thought we're going to do great things. Like this is the beginning of a whole new era for how not just me and my business are going to thrive, but how farmers in America today will be able to socialize and promote their goods. I love that. So in in terms of the business model, you've touched on this a little bit, but how do you make money? Yeah, it's, I honestly, like I need to, this is the year of more diversification because for years, and I'm still bootstrapping, that's also Mm -hmm. very tiresome, you know, but moving at the speed of cash actually has made me like the best partner for farmers. Farmers are very, you know, they're they these farming companies that we're so blessed to support. Um, you know, they're most of the ones that exist today are four or five generations away from what I'm doing right now. Like the bootstrapping, moving at the speed of cash, like, you know, growing as you can, but there is so much respect for that within, within farming. So I'm very, unapologetic and unashamed to say like, that's where we're at. Um, this should be our first year to break a million dollars in revenue. We are a very small business. Um, but we, the way that I've made money historically about 90% of our income comes from sponsorships. So all of Mm -hmm. our content marketing that we do is it, it that where we work with, whether it's sage fruit company, nature, ripe farms, nature, sweet tomatoes, 
those companies pay the produce moms a set amount of money. And in exchange for, for their investment in what we're doing, we then create content, um, brand advocacy. We support them through our platforms. And then I also support them as I can with, um, you know, if there's ever any need for strategy support as it relates to, or, or, you know, help all the, all the mainstream grocers, like it doesn't matter if, if these companies are trying to sell to Walmart, Kroger, anyone, they all want to know if you're going to be a vendor of these companies, what are you doing to talk to our shoppers? How are Mm -hmm. you supporting the path to purchase, um, through your brand? So, we're able to be a solution for these growers as it relates to those B2B goals and benchmarks as well. Um, but yeah, that's how I make 90% of my money is through, through content marketing. Yes. And then the other, we just recently have started that diversification where we also have a licensing arm to the business. Um, so the Produce Moms is very proud to have our brand and likeness on packaged fruits and vegetables that are available nationwide. So right now in market, we have an Idaho potato line that is on shelf now at approximately 50% of America's Walmarts. Um, and then we also have a sliced apple bag where we have not quite a, a li- full license presence, but more of a seal of approval style mm-hmm. of presence um, with crunch pack apples. And th- those are available nationwide um, at Target and the organic line is at Whole Foods nationwide. And there's many other, many other grocers that carry in publics, you know, regional grocers, but fantastic grocers um, that carry that entire product line. and. And there's more that's coming. You know, we we recently had bagged apples that were on shelf at Trader Joe's nationwide um, that had the Produce Moms branding on them, and and that was a full licensing. So we're we're constantly looking at how can we have a stronger presence in packaged goods, and what does that look like, and how do we drive the maximum value back for both the growers as well as the retailers. So interesting. One of the things that I get asked by uh, many of my friends who are not in the industry is, mm-hmm. is, uh, the term organic. Um, yeah. and you know how that has really gone from, you know, being there's, there's multiple ways, uh, that people actually get their products, uh, labeled organic, I think. And I'm just curious, is that the same in the fruits and vegetable industry? Have you seen yeah. confusion around that? Big time. Yeah. There's tons of confusion around farming. Like that's really, was my guiding light for starting this. People just don't know. And and yet at the same time, we're putting this stuff in our bodies, you know? Mm -hmm. So we at the Produce Moms, we've embraced, to your point with your introductory remarks, our mission is to get more fruits and vegetables on every table. That looks very different household to household. Um, It's important that people understand when they're making those food choices that A, we live in a country where like you can walk into a grocery store and we'll just use like lettuce as the example here. You can almost always find lettuce at any American grocery store today, conventionally grown. You can find it organically grown. You can find it washed and ready to eat. You can find it uh, grown in, in in one of these massive indoor farms that are popping up. You can find it locally sourced at certain times of year. So it's really amazing that we have such an abundant amount of choices. And there's a lot of evolution in our industry that has empowered that. And I don't want to overlook the fact that like our logistics partners for, mm-hmm. for moving food across this nation are a big reason why we're able to have that kind of 
option and choice when we walk into a grocery store. Um, but organics, to get back to your question, Kara, that is a very defined style of farming. Um, mm-hmm. the biggest, the biggest difference with organic versus non-organic food, both use pesticide with organic that you cannot use any synthetic pesticides. So, um, it comes back to your values as a consumer. There are, there, there's a lot of different, uh, there's a lot of information that you can get out there. The only way that you can be certain that your fruits and vegetables are organic is to look for the USDA certified seal. Um, that seal, unfortunately, does come with a price point that a lot of your smaller locally, local farms can't necessarily afford. So when you go into a farmer's market, farmer, at the farmer's market, your vendors very well could be farming organically. Mm-hmm. They just might not have that seal on them. Um, so per the regulations of this, of the industry, it, without the seal, it can't necessarily, you know, you won't see it at a grocery store marketed as organic food um, so or sold as such. Yeah. But maybe in a local community farmer's market, you know. Like how expensive is it for a uh, grower Well, it is more expensive. That's why it costs us more money to buy organic food typically, not always, but typically. And the consumer intent and demand is there. I mean, just look at what's happened in baby food. You know, Mm -hmm. baby food today, the offering today has evolved where it's pretty much exclusively organic. Mm -hmm. Um, We have some really interesting uh, episodes on the producemoms.com about organics. One that I will call out was the woman, she's an absolute legend in our industry, Tonya Antle. She sold the very first truckload of organic produce in the United States. Hmm. Um, so I interviewed her to kind of like understand how did this become something that people wanted? How did you sell that first truckload? Um, but for sure, there is a higher input cost to the farming when it's organic. So that comes down to the the, you know, pre-harvest, like the, the crop, the crop protection products. So yeah, I, I you know, you're gonna, you can't use any of the synthetic pesticides but, or crop protection. But the actual, sorry, but the actual mm-hmm. seal, like how much is that roughly? For it just a, depends. I, you know, I, I, it's, yeah. it's not something that I could say it only costs this much. The biggest thing, Kara, that, that really adds to the price of that is you have to farm your land organically for three years before you are eligible for the seal. And during that three-year time where you are adopting the organic practices, farming organically, you have, you cannot sell it organically in market. So you're, you're invest in the reason that comes back to the soil. Like, you know, you got to regenerate the soil and make sure that, um, everything is completely organic before it gets to the market and is marketed marketed as such. It's so interesting, and yes. I, I mean, I could go on and on about that. There's, I know that there's loopholes in that world as well. I've heard strawberries in California has been able to still label their product in in organic, but then they are they aren't necessarily it's it's highly regulated if it carries the seal i promise you and there's so much liability whether it comes at it's you know liability at the retailer at the point of sale the regulatory side i promise you if you see that usda certified organic seal it is an organic product there is no one with product in market today that is in a position where they can you know fudge that that is that's that is very definite and it's important that we have those kind of certifications where where our consumers can have the clarity and the confidence and yeah. like this is what the product says it is. If we were to if we were to allow like 
backdoor deals as it relates to organic, what kind of, that would be such a threat to everything these farmers are, are, you know, investing in. So there is none of that happening. If you see that USDA certified organic seal on a product that's available at grocery retail, you can have complete confidence that you are buying organic produce. It's really good to know. So what has been the most rewarding aspect of your work? Oh my gosh. Um, so there's so many, but I would say definitely the work that we do with to the, you know, more the grassroots stuff, the stuff we do mm-hmm. with children. Um, you and I pre-show were talking about some of the political action. I've been very blessed to work on political action on behalf of our industry for start with the Obama farm bill, worked on the Trump farm bill, actively working on the Biden farm bill. Um, and, and that, that journey has exposed me to a lot, you know, with helping to helping me and our industry understand what does the, what's, what's school food service look like today? Um, the only policy I, I tend to work on is child nutrition policy. I specifically work on USDA school meals. And then I also work on WIC, um, making sure that we protect and increase the fresh produce stakehold in these federal nutrition programs. So it's pretty humbling when you, when you look at even just some of the data, um, you know, we live in, I live in a household where I can even walk into the grocery store and, you know, my budget doesn't necessarily define what I purchase. I'm able to just kind of walk in and see like what looks good, what inspires me, what do I want to eat tonight? And, um, my food purchases can correlate with those desires. So it's important for me that, you know, I'm trying to build a movement that everyone feels like they can connect with. Uh, America is a big, diverse place, you know? So, uh, the data and the opportunities I've had as it surround, as it relates to child nutrition programming and specifically school meals, that's probably my favorite part of my journey because it's helped me see the work that we do and the work that we represent, you know, the fruit and vegetable industry. It's helped me see that as like, this is, this is food security for our nation. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we today in America, 51% of our children qualify for free or reduced lunch. So therefore the only true guaranteed meal that over half of our nation's children receive on a daily basis is their school meal or their backpack program for the weekends or their summer servings program, you know, when school is closed. So that the journey through that is, is really special. I've also been to almost 200 farms, you know, literally boots in the dirt at these farms learning, you know, what the, what, what their farming practices are all about gaining a heightened level of appreciation for sustainability regenerative agriculture, um, farm worker empowerment and justice. And that's led to some of the work that I do. Um, personally, I serve on a board, Global Women Fresh, and uh, we help we help people understand through this non-for-profit in every corner of this world, the agriculture exists. Where there is human humanity, agriculture is the first industry that is that is uh, established. And in some parts of the world, agriculture is the only industry where a woman can earn a professional wage. And so that has been something that's that's been a passion project of mine is helping other fellow women here in the U.S. and broader, you know, around the world to see the opportunities that exist within agriculture. I have a thriving career in this industry. I've never farmed a day in my life. Hmm. Um, so it's it's really an it's an amazing industry. And the values that were taught to me by agriculture it, those those values, whether you know for environmental and and social welfare, um, 
those were the values that that inspired me to go for B Corp. And yeah. in 2021, the Produce Moms became, well, we started the B Corp journey in 2021. We certified in 2022. And Amazing. still today, we are the only influencer brand in the world that is B Corp certified. That's that's only influencer brand in this in the in this industry or no, like no. if you really think about if you're considering like influencer marketing, mm-hmm. influencer marketing brands, the produce moms is, is currently the only influence influencer brand in the world. Um, which granted like hint Patagonia, so many of these other iconic, ma- massive, wonderful brands, they influence for sure. But when you think about influencer marketing, which certainly the produce moms can fall under that bucket. Um, we are the only one in the world right now that carries the wow, B Corp certification. Amazing. I hope more follow because I really yeah. believe in what B Corp values are all about. Well, thank you for doing everything that you're doing. And it was such a pleasure to hear more about this. I think you've opened our eyes and we're not going to be able to go into the fruits and vegetable section without <laughs> thinking about this conversation for sure. Uh, lots of great insights as, you, as always. Uh, but well, and thank you everybody for listening. Um, all the info we'll put in the show notes and you can learn more about how to uh, connect with Lori and also all of her very, very cool stuff that she's doing at the Produce Moms and, and continue to follow her. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey, including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks everyone for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023 and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.